Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. God is good and worthy to be praised. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to see each and every one of you. And I got to tell you that I feel so privileged and blessed to be the pastor of Christ Center Church. I am. Thank you, Jesus, for allowing me to lead your precious people and for having such wonderful people in this church. It is amazing and it's fantastic, and I'm grateful to God for that, and I thank all of you for being so diligent and being such great Christians. Thank God, and I appreciate all of you, love every one of you. You're just some special people, wonderful people. And I pray to God that I can do everything that I can that God want me to do to get you to where God wants you to be. Amen. We need to pray now more than we've ever prayed. Amen. We are, I think, officially entering into some territories that this church has never been. And um, devil don't let you do things without a fight. Right, so the, so don't think that the devil is going to just let everything happen without doing his very best to try to stop it. And he's going to use every method and every uh, situation to try to attack you because you are involved in something great and something tremendous. And he's going to try to attack you, to discourage you. And so this is what I want for you to do. Every time you see a little situation starting to brew, don't get all over concerned with it. Don't let it get you to start thinking the wrong way. Don't become negative. Just say to yourself, okay, it has officially begun where I am heading someplace that is going to be tremendous. The devil knows it and he is trying to prevent it. And the way he does that at times, he he gets people to start messing with you you get your situation to start to seems different um the things that usually start acting up in your life will on schedule start acting up and so you're going to notice some of these things so i want you to know just right now as they're starting to happen you have to know that it's because you are going someplace in god where you've never been and he's trying to stop you from getting there So just keep that in mind and don't get just too much worried about the things that are uh, that you're going to experience as you just go along the ways, because that's how it's supposed to happen. Okay, and so you have everything you need to overcome and be victorious in all of these situations and challenges and all that you face. You have what it takes because you have Jesus. And so you have what it takes to overcome and to be victorious. I want you to believe that and know that so you will not frustrate yourself with some of the challenges that will come up against you. I want you to pray with us tonight. Amen. I believe um, we have a lot of prayer uh, requests that have been submitted. I know we've been praying for Adassa, uh, something, um, I think, um, what was it, Sister Scarlett? Stroke, okay, sickness in her body, and and COVID pneumonia, 
We got to pray that God does a miracle for her, that she would be healed and she would be well. Um, Brother Henry, I see you looking at your phone. Talk to me. Sister Haskers, co-worker. Okay, she needs healing. Okay, so we need to ask God to touch. What's her name, Kathleen? He, Kathleen, right? Okay, so we need to pray for healing for Kathleen. We need to pray for uh, healing for Adassa. And we need to pray for Edith Korea. That's um, Brother Joseph Korea's mom. Um, we need to pray that God will touch her body as well and, you know, make her whole and strengthen her and heal her. So let's keep um, those names in our prayers tonight. Anyone else? Stacy. Stacy is not here. So let's keep Stacy in your prayers tonight that God will touch her in a special way and heal her. Amen. And let's just ask God to have his way in our Bible study tonight that we will leave this place uh, more encouraged and enriched and um, just just knowing that there's great things ahead. So let's pray and ask God to have his way. Let's pray together. Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we're so grateful, we're so thankful to come together in such a time as this. Lord, you are our God, and Lord, we're so dependent upon you. You're sovereign, Lord God. You see and you know all things. You're all powerful, Lord, and Lord, you have power over everything. We submit to you, Lord God. We submit our will to you, for we want your will to be our will. And, oh, my God, we submit under your authority that you may, oh, God, rule and reign over us. Lord, we repent of our sins tonight. We want our soul to be washed and be cleansed. And, oh, God, that we will be clean. And, oh, God, we're able to have sweet communion with you tonight. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you have your way in us individually and collectively. I pray and ask tonight, Lord God, that your spirit will have preeminence and that your spirit will rule and reign in us and over us. Tonight, Lord Jesus, I pray that we will not leave this place without a supernatural encounter, that we will experience the divine, oh God, power of the Lord, that, oh God, you will speak a word into us tonight, Lord God, that there will be revelation, that there will be understanding, oh God. I pray the gifts of the Spirit will operate in the midst of this congregation. I pray, oh God, your people will leave, leave in courage, that your people leave, O oh God, sustained, that your people will leave, Lord God, knowing, Lord, that they're walking with you. I pray tonight, Father, for Ethan Korea, that, Lord God, you will touch her by your mighty hand, and that by your stripe she will be healed, Almighty God, from the crown of her head to the sole of her feet. I pray, Almighty God, that you will have your way in her life. We pray for that's the Lord God, in the name of Jesus, that your mighty power will overshadow 
follow her and your healing virtue will be poured into her and that she will be healed and hold. By your stripe we ask, Lord, for healing in Jesus' name. We pray for Kathleen, oh God, in the name of Jesus Christ, that you will heal her, that you will touch her mightily and miraculously, that she will be healed and whole. For Stacy, oh God, have your way, Lord. We pray that you will touch Stacy's body and touch her mind. Have your way, Lord God. Your will be done. Your kingdom come, oh God, that we will see the glory of the Lord in their lives. And we will testify of the greatness and the miraculous working power of Jesus Christ. Will you reveal yourself to us tonight? Will you reveal the mysteries of the scriptures tonight? Will you let your will be done and manifest your kingdom tonight? We pray and ask for signs, wonders, miracles, and demonstration. Oh God, we pray and ask that you will give us miracles, that you will give us provision, and that, Lord, you will lead us in the ways that we must go. Thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your kindness, and all your love. We pray and ask you these things in Jesus' name. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. Clap your hands unto the Lord, for he is good, his mercy everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Amen. Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. There is none like you. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that's within me. Bless your holy name. Good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Good to see all of you. Glad you were able to make it out tonight. Man, 2020 and 2021 has certainly been a roller coaster. It's certainly been challenging. Uh, there's a lot that has transpired and still transpiring. But boy, oh boy, it's so comforting to know who Jesus is. It's so comforting to walk with the Lord. Because when you walk with him, you know no matter what's going on, it's going to be all right. You know when you're walking with Jesus that no matter what transpires, it's going to be all right. Whether I'm here physically on this earth or I transcend to my next lifestyle, my, le my next destination in Christ, I'm going to be all right. So it's just so good to know that and be able to just walk with the Lord. Amen. Good to see Mama Thomas tonight. Amen. You in the house of the Lord. Amen. That is so wonderful. We're glad to have you back. Amen. I said I got to come see you one of these days, so give me a little bit of time. I got a few things working, but I'm going to come visit you one of these days so we can hang out and kick it together. How about that? That's all right with you? All right. <laughs> Amen. We also have Sister Foster in the house. Sister Foster, good to see you. Good to have you in the house of the Lord. For those of you that don't know Sister Foster, she's probably going to be known a little bit easier when I tell you she is Shaim's mother. Shaim uh, <laughs> is famous, huh? I say Shaim's mother, and everybody says, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. When I said Sister Foster, nobody, no, Sister who? Sister who? <laughs> Her mother is Sister Cole. Amen. So, so we got to track down two more people before we get to her, huh? Don't worry about it, Sister Foster. It's all right. Your son is our son, 
and your mother's our mother. And so, you know, I guess you're third in line. What can you do about it? Nothing you can do about it. Just go with it. Amen. Nothing you can do about it. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. But it's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to be with everybody. Welcome to Christ Center Church and our congregation online. Thank you for joining. We love you. And I know boy, we have some faithful people that are uh, just a special part of our congregation that's always, always um, tuned in and locked in. And uh, everything that goes on in Christ Center Church, um, it's their church, so they know what's going on. Amen. Might challenge them. We might have to do um, a little quiz and, 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 and quiz the people online and the people in person to see who knows more about their church. Mm-hmm. I might, I, I'm not a gambling man, but I probably give the edge to the online congregation. I don't know when you online, you're more sensitive and pay more attention because you're online. You got to make sure I'm listening. I'm locked in. The ones that's really listening and locked in. <laughs> not the ones that's cooking while they're in church. <laughs> I'm sorry. 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 All right. Let's get into the word of God. We've been talking about knowing God is essential. And we have done three lessons on knowing God is essential. And tonight is the fourth lesson, which will maybe be the final lesson in knowing God is essential. And I can't tell you this is one of my favorite lessons to teach because I feel like it's so, so, so important to know God, because when you come to know God, so many other things begin to unfold in your life. And as I've been saying for so long, I think a lot of times what we are dealing with is a bunch of people that are kind of trying to uh, be Christians, but don't know how to be Christians because their relationship with God, the one who is the author of their faith, they don't have that relationship in order to understand what he uh, is requiring of them. Uh, one of the things that you learn that I've always said uh, in the Bible it talks about the two greatest commandments that all the laws, all of everything that you can learn in the Bible, they are uh, uh, deduced or comprised of these two things to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. If you can always remember those two things, you will find yourself always on the right side of Christ. You will, because a lot of times we don't always have the answers to what we are dealing with. But when we stop and say, "Okay, how do I demonstrate love in this situation? You will always find yourself on the side of Christ. So so that's that's like the the the, the default way of, of, of understanding how to be a Christian is, okay, God, I don't understand this situation. Okay, God, I, I'm not sure what the scripture says about this. Then stop and say, but how would I demonstrate love in this particular situation? And if you understand how to demonstrate love, then you will always find yourself on the right side of God. Amen. All right. So knowing God will allow you to understand some things about yourself. Knowing God will allow you to understand things about yourself. Okay, I always got to bring to you the the, the earthly uh, way of understanding so you can understand these spiritual principles. And so one of the things that children eventually start doing 
we probably introduced it to them. What they start doing is after a while, they start asking questions about who in the family does this? Who in the family does that? Who am I like? And they like to try to figure out what's going on with them, why they're behaving a certain way. That, 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 that character uh, uh, of who they are, where did it come from? So they're steady trying to learn themselves about why they do things and, and, and how they behave, where did it come from? And the parents throw some of that in there because I know I certainly do. Yeah, that's me, but that's not me. Of course, I'm always telling them that's me the good part. And so we do that with our kids, right? We're always telling them, okay, that, you know, you do that like your mom or you do that like your dad or, you know, all that kind of stuff. So we want to know why we do the things we do. We want to know who we are. And the way we normally get to know that is by asking our parents or our grandparents or some relative asking them, what about this? Why do I do this? Where did this come from? So in the natural, that's what you do to learn about yourself. Well, I'm telling you, you can do that with God and you will know that about yourself naturally and spiritually when you go to God and know who he is. Because as you learn him, he will reveal to you things about you that you will know about yourself. So let's go. So we talked about this last week, but as you know, what I what I've done a little bit is kind of throw some revision in there as we move to our next lesson. So let's. Look at some revision from, you know, prior weeks, things that we've talked about. Who am I is a question that many people have asked. I've just mentioned that to you. Who am I? And I'll tell you the answer to that. You are one of the beings who God created in his own image. So you got to understand that you are one of the beings. What we said, we have over 8 billion people on this earth, and then not to mention those that um, have come and gone and those that will come. So every being, every being that is created is created in the image of God, their creator. So that's who you are. That's who you are. What is the purpose of my life? There's a lot of things. Some of us think that, well, God blessed me with a mind to be a science. Uh, a scientist. Well, God blessed me with a mind that I can be a doctor. Well, God blessed me with a mind that I can be, you know, some 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 political person that will help the community and, and, and help society. And all those things are great that God has equipped you with abilities to do things that you can actually relate to. And guess what? That's good. And that's right. But here is the truth, though. The, the truth is, the first thing, the first purpose why you were created was to know God. The first purpose, can I give you another example? A lot of our vocalists in our world today that sings, a lot of them can trace their roots back to the church. So guess what? God gave them the ability to sing. They made that the first purpose and order in their life, but it should have never been the first purpose and order because what they should have done was use that, 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 that ability to give the Lord the honor and the glory. And some have done that, then went and branched out and then forgot about him. But God equips us with abilities first so we can be a blessing in the kingdom of God and help others. 
So your talents and abilities were given to you by God so you can be a blessing to others and you can be a blessing in the kingdom. But you will never know that if you never first come to know God. So your first order of business in your life is to know God. That's the first order of business. You were created to know God. And so many people are still wondering or doing their thing and acting like they know what they're doing, uh, but they don't know why they exist because why? You can only know why you exist when you know God. Everything else that you do is just what you desire to do, what you feel like you should do, but has nothing to do with God if you don't first know God. Man, I'm telling you, it is so powerful to come to know God because if you live long enough, uh, you know, our young people don't understand this, but those of us that have lived a little while, you realize that life just continues to be a cycle. It just continues to go this way. And after a while, you stop and say, what is this all about anyway? So you live long enough, you will eventually get to that place of asking, what is this all about anyway? You know, like if you didn't know God and understand who he is, think about it. With all the death that we've been hearing about and experiencing in our own families, after a while you're like, it's not even, what is this life even about? All I look around from side to side and hear about is this one died and this one is sick and this one is, is, is dying. And that's all you're hearing. And you're just sitting here like, what is this? What is going on? And there's just really nothing that that's tangible enough for you to feel like it's worth living for. What is tangible right now that you feel like is worth living for if you're not in Christ? I am sure if you check the suicide rate, it is sky high right now. Because what is really tangible for us to say, I need to keep on living? For what? Life has become so just frail, and you see that this is, there's nothing really significant anymore about this life. Because once you live long enough, as I said before, you're able to do things, you're able to garner things, you can buy things, you can have things. So after you get all you can get, then what? Then what? After you've got all the promotions on your job, then what? After you've gone to the best schools in the world and have the greatest degrees, then what? After you become Jeff Bezos, then what? You got all that money, then what? Then what? Then what? So we need to know God so we can understand our true purpose in life. You were created to determine God's true value. This light will come on to you some years down the line. I don't think you get this whenever I say this. This is heavy. You've got men and women of God that's been living for God for a long time that don't understand this statement I'm making, that you and me were created to determine God's true value. But it's so far from some of us that we, we can't grasp it. But all I want you to remember when I make that statement is this. God always existed and he existed and at, at, at some point nothing else existed. So tell me why or let's say it this way. Tell me what good was God when he existed. He always did. While he existing or is existing and nothing else, nothing else existed. What good was he then? 
Nobody wants to go back there because we're always trying to find a link and a point to make us feel good. But God always existed. And there was a time that there were no creation. He didn't create anything, but he existed. What was his purpose? What purpose did he serve when he existed and nothing else existed? You can't find one. Neither could God. And that's why you're here today. That's heavy, that's heavy stuff. That's teaching that you can't hear and can't get everywhere. But this is stuff that God has revealed for us to understand these things. You will become the justification for God's existence. What does he call us, Mackenzie? Apple of my eye. Isn't that what God calls us? You will determine the reason for why he exists. That's why he calls you the apple of his eye. (laughs) So you are the justification for why God exists. But before you came on the scene, he really couldn't justify why he existed. Again, heavy stuff. He could not justify why he exists, Brother D. He was just existing. Doing nothing. Because he didn't need nothing. So he exists. Just nothing. He didn't need nothing. You and I must know and understand God before we can determine his true value. So while we will justify his existence, the only way we can really, really make sense of it is when we know and understand him, then we can determine his true value. People are living their life saying this and saying that about God and about the world, and this is all you can really tell them in love. My brother, my sister. Until you come to know God for yourself, those are questions that you will never really understand the answers to. Got to tell them. Like, I love you. And I can explain to you some things because I've learned who God is and I know him. But it wouldn't make sense to you for me to explain what I know until you go to God and reach out in prayer and reading his word to learn who he is for yourself. You will never really understand if I tell you why he exists and why you exist. And you leave it like that because maybe then and then will they really begin to seek God. We're trying to explain stuff to people that they can't comprehend and all we do is mess it up a little bit more. Instead of just saying what I know, I know because I know him. If you want an answer for what you're asking, You need to go learn and understand and know who he is for yourself. And when you do that, then we can come back and have a conversation because then we can talk about how he has revealed to us and show us in his word why he exists, why we exist, why are we dealing with all the stuff we're dealing with because now we know him and we can now give true account for who he is and why he does what he does and why he does not do the things that we think he should do. Only when you know him. So you must know and understand him before you can determine his true value. Look at Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 24. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 24 says, 
But let him that glorifieth glory in this. This what? That he understandeth and knoweth me that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For, for in these things I delight, saith the Lord. Mm-hmm. 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 And so we need to know him. And when we know him, we will understand loving kindness, judgment, righteousness, are some of the things that God exercised through us knowing him. We will understand those things. He revealed himself to make it possible for you to know him. If God remained uh, just the way he was from back in Adam and Eve days, we would never come to know him. He had to reveal himself in a different way for us to come to know God in the way that we can know God. And so this is why everybody is having, not everybody, but a lot of people are having the issue with Jesus Christ, uh, that Jesus Christ is God Almighty manifesting. They're having a hard time with that, like, well, how can he be God and be man at the same time? We go through all this stuff, and I'm just shaking my head. I'm just like, you need to know him for yourself. That, that's really what it comes down to. Because the bottom line is, God became man for many reasons. But one of the reasons, uh, one of the reason is that we would know him. That we would have an opportunity to know him. If he remained the almighty creator who just spoke and it happened. Remember I told you, and you have read in your Bible, that, that man could not get close to God because they would have burnt up. God was so righteous and so holy and he was light so you couldn't get close to him. We think the sun is hot now? <laughs> but the bottom line is, the way, if God remained the way he was, we couldn't know him. We couldn't get close enough to know him. There would be no way to compare him to us. So he had to become what he created in order for us to know him. And still was the almighty, calling the shots just the same. But again, you got to know him for yourself to understand that. Okay, because he's going to do some things in your life when you know him for yourself that you're going to marvel and say, my God, you see what God just did. And sometimes you have nobody share that with just yourself, just pondering like, God, that is miraculous because he did it. And, you know, the only way this could be done is just God stuff you think about in your mind. And then here comes God allowing somebody to say it. What's going on here? But you got to know him for yourself to understand those things. Mm -hmm. God's justice demands the death of sinners. So when God created and designed and established things, he had to impose, let's call them just for now, rules. He had to establish rules to govern things by. Yes, because you have to have order and rules provide order. So he started imposing rules on himself that would be imposed on us as well. 
And that's where he started from as he designed us, created us. He had to establish rules. Before us, he didn't have to do that. But when we came, because we're not him, we needed rules. <laughs> we called him the word of God today. We called it the law of God. You can call it, but we needed guidelines, rules to govern our life by because we're not him. Uh-huh. So God's justice demands the death of sinners. So look at Ezekiel, Ezekiel 18, verse 4. Ezekiel 18, verse 4. Here is a rule that he established. Behold, all souls, I love to read this. Behold, all souls are mine. A soul is a human being. And now God got to get real bold and let us know some things. And sometimes he just got to tell us straight because we get a little crazy sometimes. And so here he is in the scripture here. He's saying, behold, all souls are mine. So whether you act right or you don't, you still belong to him. Just like a mother and father have children, those children belong to them. Whether those children act right or not, it's still the children of the parents. So whether we act right or we don't, we still belong to him. Uh huh. All souls are mine. He went on to say, as the soul of the father, so also the soul of the son is mine. The soul that sinneth, mean continues in sin, it shall die. So that's a law that he imposed, a rule, his word, that the soul that continues to live in sin will die. And that death means Separation from him. That's what it means. Literally and spiritually. Death. Separation from him. So he imposed that. We'll get back to that in a second. God's mercy paid the death penalty price for the sinner at Calvary. So here's where I'm going. Because God imposed that rule that all souls are mine and the soul that sinneth shall surely die, guess what? He can't change his word. So because he can't change his word, all soul that sinneth that belongs to him has to die. Woo, how you going to work that out now, Jesus? And so that's why Calvary became so important. And that's why you read in the scripture where it says he took on the sins of the world. Hmm. All right, we'll get into that a little bit more so you get some more understanding. Look at Romans chapter number five. Let's start in verse number two. Might have to read off the thing here. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. 
and patience, experience, and experience hope. And hope make it not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Here we go now. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died. So what we're reading here is this. Every once in a while I say, God, you're, you're slick. I know him so I can say that to him. You're slick, Jesus. And he knows everything, but he still says, what do you mean by that, son? I said, because you have already imposed the law that says, if a soul sinneth, they shall die. And so you, in your infinite wisdom, knew we would sin. But you knew the only way to bail us out is you die for every one of us that should have died when we sinned. So that's how we end up talking about, oh, you know, Calvary and he died for us. Yes, he died for us. Yes, we should have all died when we sinned against God. But he says, I got it. Good plan. And the good plan is I am going to die for every human being. That way, my scripture is still fulfilled. That if you sin, you shall die. Okay, I died. So everyone that sinned, okay, he died. And because I know him, every once in a while, it's a challenge for me. Knowing that he died for all of us. And so many of us are walking around like, no big deal. Which way, which way did he go, Johnny? Just lost. Have no clue. Don't want to know it because they just want to do what they want to do, not understanding that they are living on borrowed time because the one who said you should have died because you sinned, he decided he would die so you would have time that you don't deserve. But we walk around like we deserve it. Like this is just the way life is supposed to go and don't understand that somebody had paid the price for us to be where we are today. Justice is one of God's fundamental moral attributes. Justice is one of God's fundamental moral attributes. Mm -hmm. What are you talking about, preacher? I'm going to get it to you in a second here. Just let's look at it. Look at Proverbs 21, verse 3. The Bible says in Proverbs 21, verse 3, to do justice and judgment is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Church, some of us can sacrifice better than some. I've watched life enough, long enough to realize, wow. There's some people that know how to sacrifice. You know, you can get you some lady that's been around a long time and she sacrificed her whole life so her whole family could be fine. And she saved up all her money. She don't look like she got much, but she knew how to sacrifice and she lived a long life taking care of her family, having enough financially to take care of business and having enough to make sure everybody is good all because she know how to sacrifice. So there's some people that know how to sacrifice better than others. 
All of us can sacrifice in some instance because there are things in our life that will move us to sacrifice, but some just can sacrifice better than others. But this scripture says that to do justice and judgment is more. So get it. He is saying it's okay to sacrifice. You need to sacrifice. But he's saying to do justice and judgment is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. So straightening out things, getting things right. Getting things done according to God's purpose, obeying God, those things are more important than your sacrifice. It's interesting that God have that scripture in there because there are some religions that they will put us to shame when it comes down to sacrifice. There are some religions. That will put us to shame when it comes down to sacrifice. But they don't do justice and judgment according to the Lord. Meaning they don't obey his word. Meaning they don't do what he says. And so they can sacrifice all they want. And you can see them and you can feel something towards them because you're like, look at them. They're just so into what they're doing, sacrificing everything. Unfortunately, they don't have the truth, the knowledge. And so it's just all for naught. They sacrifice, but it's all for naught. There's a scripture that says obedience better than sacrifice. And so it's important for us to understand that, that don't hang your hat on sacrifice, but that doesn't mean that you don't sacrifice either. (laughs) Because the Bible says, I've got Bible for you that says, present your bodies. So don't try to say the preacher said, I don't have to sacrifice. (laughs) don't try to say that because we need to be a living sacrifice as the scripture has already told us but God says it's more important to God that we do justice and judgment than sacrifice because you can sacrifice and neglect to obey God and God says I can't have that you can't just think you can just have your way with me by just sacrificing. You got to obey me. Mm-hmm. God is not unjust. But I'm sure people that don't know him and Christians that have not yet discovered who he is truly, they feel like God is unjust. They look at themselves and look at others and feel like God is unjust. I saw a quote not long, sometime today, and the quote says, I'm winning because I'm not in competition with anyone. Think about that. I'm winning. Remember, a race usually is people in the race and you got to win. But if you're in the race by yourself, you're winning. But all of us are running and compete with each other. And that's why you're in trouble. But if you will run your race by yourself, not isolating yourself, but run your race, not worrying about anybody else being in the race, just running and saying, I'm the only one in this race. Guess what? You will win if you're the only one in the race. 
You don't have to look to the side. You don't have to look behind you. All you got to do is look up just running. And you will win. You will win. You will win. But if you're going to look around for competitors, you're going to be in a little bit of trouble. And so those who are running their race, looking for competitors, they may just think that God is unjust. But I'm here to tell you, God is just. Uh Uh-huh. He is the righteous judge. God is the righteous judge. Somebody say amen. God is the righteous judge. So we can trust that he is righteous in all of his judgment. Uh Uh-huh. Calvary exhibits the absolute perfect fulfillment of both absolute justice and absolute mercy. Yep. Absolute justice and absolute mercy. God is so good. Listen to me. Because justice demanded, because justice demanded, he pay the price for having created us. Remember, I've been telling this church and hopefully you're fully engaged in hearing and understanding that one of the reasons why God went to Calvary was because of justice. Yes, he loves you. See how you see how, see how we do all the time? When I tell you God to go to the, when I say Jesus went to the cross for us, he loves us because we're the apple of his eyes. You know what? I get a few amens and a couple of fist pumps. But when I tell you Jesus also went to the cross because he's a just God, you get quiet. You see how we do? Listen, I've been standing before people and talking for a good minute now. So I know we respond to things that, 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 that either we're familiar with or it makes us feel good. Well, I tell you what, study your Bible a whole lot and you'll be familiar with a whole lot of what I'm saying. Because a lot of what I'm saying may not land to your liking. And so what I'm trying to tell you is one of the reasons why God went to Calvary was because he's just. What are you saying, preacher? Because, Izzy, when he existed all by himself, nobody was killing anybody. When he existed all by himself, nobody was doing wrong. The, The world was not corrupt. When he existed all by himself, there was no problems. Everything was perfect when he was all by himself. And then he created us. Everything that's wrong with the world, our fault, not his. So when you come to know him, you will stop saying, why is he allowing? Why is he allowing? Because a lot of it is he gave us the responsibility and the law, the guidelines, his word to live by. And we determined that we're not going to live by those worlds. That's why our world is corrupt, messed up and going astray. It ain't because God needs to step in. It's because we won't do the right things. We constantly want God to step in. Step into what? When he created us and gave us his mind by giving us his spirit and gave us his word. We know what to do, but we refuse to submit to him. We refuse to live for him. We refuse to obey him. And then when it don't go right, we look to him and say, what's the problem? Why won't you step in and do something? We are just something else. 
God, why are you not doing something? And if I can just, he would just be saying, why don't you do something? <laughs> why don't you do something? Why do you keep asking me to do something? Why don't you do something? I thought I instructed you what to do. He instructs us this. Let me go way ahead and just say one of the things he told us. He says, submit therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. What are we doing? Are we doing that? Are we doing that? I'll just give you one of his things, that one of his laws that he gives us. But we're constantly just doing our thing and we have not stopped to submit to God so we can resist the devil. Therefore, we're doing what the devil encourages us to do because we won't submit to God. And so these are the things we want God to fix when he already gave us the method, the instructions of how to live life without these problems. But we determine that mm, I'm good. I'm going to live life the way I feel. I'm going to live life according to how I feel, God. And so because we want to live our life the way we feel, guess what? We just defiled and corrupt this body and corrupt this world. And then we're looking at him to fix it. And he's saying, huh, me? I told you how to fix it. I told you how to do it so you wouldn't even have the problem. But you don't want to look to me. You want to just go by how you feel. Uh-huh. He bears the ultimate responsibility for his having created things the way he did and investing in us, his image, and the, uh, 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 the, the, the prioritizing to make choices based on our own sensibilities and appetites. And so God is saying, because I created you all, and you all are just making a mess. And because you are my responsibility, I have to pay the price. And nobody sees that when they read the Bible. All we're saying is, he loves us. We're the apple of his eye. And so he went to Calvary. That's true. But one of the reasons also is that he is responsible for bringing us into this world who are making a mess in this world. Remember I told you my story with my two kids where the two came along. These last two, I have no clue. But, but, but the, the two oldest, remember I told you that um, Richard went and, and was playing baseball with rocks and shattered somebody's windshield? It was my neighbors. My neighbors knocked on the door. Richard, my windshield shattered. Do you know anything about it? No, I don't know nothing about it. He went to Richard Buddy that was playing baseball. Richard, hey, what was his name again? Nicola? Thomas. Yes. Thomas, how can we forget, right? Thomas! You know, Thomas started shaking. Well, we were outside playing, and, and, and Richard hit. And, and. So the neighbor came back. Richard, you know anything about? No. Well, I was just talking to Thomas, and so it finally came out. And so now we know Richard and Thomas were out there playing baseball with rocks, shattered my neighbor's windshield, and now my neighbor needs a new windshield. Did Richard and Thomas pay for the windshield? 
That's what God did for us when he went to Calvary. So stop thinking that he loves you so much and that's why he went. He went for that reason too, but he went because he's a just God. He went because he's saying the corruption in our world and the sin that we're going through and doing, he's saying if I didn't create you, it couldn't exist. And so I went to Calvary so I can show proper justice for why you all are being that way. I'm responsible for y'all. And once he did what he did, guess what? Woo, Holy Ghost. He shift back the responsibility. Woo. He said, I'm responsible. And so before Calvary, the responsibility was on him. But after Calvary, the responsibility is on us to live right, to do right, and to act right. It's our responsibility now. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Before Calvary, he had to do the just thing because he's just. And he went to Calvary because he said, the soul that sinneth shall surely die. All souls are mine. He said all that stuff. So he said, well, I got to die for everybody. And so he died for everybody. And so now he's saying, it's not my responsibility anymore. So since I've died, the only, all you have to do to carry the legacy on is you need to die. You don't have to go on a cross and get nailed. You don't have to go on a cross and get spared in your side. You don't have to go on a cross and get thorn put on your head. You don't have to go on a cross and get spat upon. But what you got to do is submit your life to mine. What you got to do is repent of your sins. What you got to do is be born again of the water and of the spirit. What you got to do is live an obedient life to Christ and you'll be fine. So the responsibility has now shifted to us since Calvary. So for everybody that's walking around, man, this is why I just have a big problem with our world. Yep. I saw something today. Let me try not to be political, but I got to tell you something. I saw something today that they just, um, um, they just passed. I don't know what they call it. It's not the full law yet because they got to bring it on the floor about, um, what is it? Now, it wasn't the Family Care Act, but it was, uh, it was a, a, a law stating that equality law. It's an equality law. And let me tell you something. I don't, know, I don't need no sympathy from no other race. I don't want anybody to look at me and say, poor you, you, you suffered. I don't need nobody to look down on me. I'm a child of the living God. I'm a, I'm a prince. You think I want no hand-me-down and talk about, oh, we need to treat you differently because you're the color of your... And so we, we are all going to Congress and going to these people saying we need laws passed to make sure we're equal. I am not telling you inequality doesn't exist. What I'm telling you, Izzy, is as long as I live for Jesus, uh, that's all that matters. And if I live according to the laws and the word of God, guess what? I'm going to treat everybody right. And if you live according to the word of God, you're going to treat everybody right. The issue is not the laws of equality. The issue is what is your relationship with Jesus Christ? Because when you have that... You will love people and you won't treat them in a bad way. 
I saw it and I shook my head. I said, God, we're trying to get these laws. And I understand everybody ain't saved, so we got. But all I'm saying is, if we would start out with him. Remember what I started out today saying? If we will come to know him, we will understand our purpose. Which means we will understand that all we got to do is love God and love people. And all this stuff that we're going through to try to make things right, it ain't never going, I'm going to say it just like that. It ain't never going to make us right because our hearts are not right. And so we act out things out front to just make people say, oh, but deep down, we don't believe what we do sometimes. But if we will really get a relationship with Jesus, we're going to love each other. And we don't need no law passed at Congress to tell us how to treat each other. The Bible tells us to prefer that somebody over ourselves. If we will live for Jesus, uh, we don't need nobody to say, oh, they're treating this one wrong. And why are we treating this? No, all we got to do is know Jesus and live for Jesus, obey him. And we will treat everybody with respect and with love and with kindness. We're looking for laws to tell us how to do it when God already told us how to do it. People don't want to deal with me when it comes down to this. I will not. Y'all going to have to say, y'all going to have to stole me and say get a new preacher. Because I will not bow to society in how they do things. If it ain't according to this book, I'm not bowing to them. Whatever they come up with, I'm not bowing to it. Because I'm a man of God and I'm going to go by the word of God. What does the word of God says? We coming up with all these ways of behaving. I'm not indulging. And I can see clearly and I'm not backing down. Yes, I know there's people being treated unfairly. Yes, I know there's inequality. Yes, I know all these things. But the answer is not the law. That's all I'm saying. The answer is not the law. Because what we do is we put band-aids on stuff. And so this right here might be fine for a minute, but something else is going to pop up over here. Because we're trying to fix all these problems inappropriately, not according to the word of God. So when we fix this one thing over here, it's going to cause another problem over here. And when we fix this one, they just keep popping up. But if you would just do it according to the word of God, ain't nothing else popping up. Because God's word is so exact and so perfect that if you do it the way God says, we don't have to worry about anything that's popping up. That's settled. Well, you'll see. I'm not getting pulled in in the world with stuff like that. And I'm just shaking my head like, look at, look, look at, here we go. We're trying, we're going to go get all these laws in place now to try to prevent inequality. And we need to do something about it. But church, what we need to do about it is the church need to show up for prayer meetings more often. What we need to do about it is we need to start praying and asking God's direction to go evangelize our community and tell people Jesus loved them. And when they have need, we provide that need. That's what we need to do. But the thing about it is nobody wants to do anything that makes them uncomfortable. We all want to do things that keep us comfortable. Nobody wants to stretch themselves to do what's right. We just want to sit where we are and let it come to us. So nothing is getting done. Nothing is getting done. We're worried. We're, 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 we're counting. How can a church be depending on, 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 on Congress? How can a church be depending on the leaders of the world to make things work for them? When I just read to you on Sunday that a man of God was by a river. And guess what? God was sending a bird to bring him food. 
That's what we're seeing. This man of God, God is sending his food by a raven, bringing the food to him. And when the brook dried up and he couldn't drink any more water, God says, I got another plan. Go see that widowed woman. And she didn't have nothing. And we're worried about Congress. And we're worried about the political leaders. Pray for them. Love them. But we've got the answer. We just don't want to use the answer we got. Woo! All right, let me finish up here and take this take this home here because this might be a little too heavy for y'all. God took me on a detour on that one. Sorry about that. That was a detour. And so, let me give you this. God has taken responsibility for what he has done. That's what he did when he went to, went to the cross. God has taken responsibility for all the bad things that has happened. That's what happened when he went to the cross. God has taken responsibility for all the sins that have ever and will ever be committed. That's why he went to the cross. God has paid the price for every wound you have ever inflicted on yourself or others. That's why he went to Calvary. God has paid the price for every wound you ever suffered. God has become a human being so you could know him. Jesus Christ allowed the crucifixion so you could properly determine his true value. God leaves the final judgment concerning his own value up to you who come to know him. So if you come to know God, he says, you will determine my value. And you know how you do that? By how you act and react to me. That will tell what you think about me. So depending on how you worship, that will tell what you think about him. That will determine his value to you. So how you act or not act, that determines God's value to you. So it's up to us who know him. What is God? value to you it's in him do we move and live and have our being he breathed into man's nostril and man became a living soul oh god how valuable is god to you because he created you and you would know him and determine that what are you doing to determine the value of god what are you doing? What are you showing him? What are you saying to him to determine his true value? What are you doing? What are you doing? If the world see you and they can't tell that there's something about you that belongs to Christ, and if the world don't see that in you, are you really determined his value? If you're not living out this relationship that you have with him, are you determined his value? Oh, God, help us. We need to determine his true value. Those who do not know Jesus Christ are not qualified to determine his value. They're not qualified. They're disqualified. That's why they can't determine his value. Those who do not know Jesus Christ cannot assess his true value, but they will come face to face with him one day. So whether you know him or you don't, everybody will come face to face one day. And guess what? At that time, you will determine his value. So will you determine his value now or 
later on. Because that's why the scripture tells us every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So at some point in time, whether now or later, you will know the true value of who he is. That he is the creator. That he is the deliverer. That he is the sustainer. That he is the giver of life. That he is the all-knowing and sovereign God. And there is none else like him. We will know that either now or later. But we're going to know that. We will know and we will determine its true value. So do you want to do that on your own? Or will you wait till the time where you can do nothing about it and you're now being separated from him eternally? You're separating from him eternally because you finally figured it out, but it was too late. Is that when you want to figure it out? When it's too late? Or you want to figure it out now and begin to live it out to give him the glory and the honor to determine his true value right now as opposed to waiting till it's too late. And so there will be worship during judgment. At the time of judgment, there will be worship. I will give you a couple of texts for that. Matthew 18 and 25. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all he had and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshiped him. That was just something that God was showing us in the text. Uh huh. But let me show you something else. In Philippians 2, let's look at verse 9. Wherefore God also had highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Those who have come to know him are now qualified to evaluate him. Can you, know, can you believe that? When you come to know God, you are eligible to evaluate him. God is, what we like to call it, transparent. He said, come, evaluate me now that you know me. And tell me what my value is to you. I'm not telling you what my value is to you. You tell me what my value is to you. Here I am. I'm transparent. We strive to show why he is worthy to be praised. This is our evaluation of his worth. That's why we praise him, because we're saying what his value is. When we come in the house of God, when we praise him, we're saying what his value is. When we come into the house of the Lord and we worship him, we're saying what his value is. When we come into the house of the Lord and we do the things that give honor to him, we're saying what his value really is. And so here are some scriptures that gives you the value as we close up our session here tonight. First Timothy 1 and 17. Now unto him or now unto the king eternal 
immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. The Apostle Paul was giving him the just due. The Apostle Paul was evaluating him and saying what value that God had to him. That's what Paul was doing. Jude chapter 1, only one chapter near 1, 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only, verse 25, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Revelation 1 and 5, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prime and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loves us. And washed us from our sins in his own blood. And had made us kings and priests unto God and his father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Revelation 4 and 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are They are and we were created. And finally, Revelation 5, verse 12, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Our God, the great I am, has justified his existence. And so you and me need to take the cue from our God, what he has gone through and done so we can know him and understand who we are so he can show himself worthy of being existing. Why do you exist now? If the almighty sovereign God can say to our world, I'm going to justify my existence, what should you do now? What is your reason for existing? How are you justifying your existence? And how are you showing God the value that he is to you? Let's stand. Knowing God is essential. We skip that step in our Christianity of knowing God because we get into all the other stuff. And people are not understanding God's way of being. And I'm telling you, I talk to people all the time that's telling me, I know God is doing this. And they're telling me something that I know is outside of his ways. And I'm like, "Ah, how do I not discourage them but let them know that that's not true? And that's a challenge a lot of times. People are talking about what they know God is doing. And you're saying in your mind, if you know God, that's outside of his way of being. So what they're saying is not right. And one of the things I will always say is you can't say God is leading you and you fail to assemble yourself in church. Yeah, I know you got about two, two amens, one amen, one loud amen, another, uh, you know, low amen, because it's the truth. And that's something that we don't like. When are we going to get over what we don't like, but know it's right and do it? When are we going to get over that? When are we going to raise our hand and say, I don't like this? But you know what? It's right. 
And I'm going to make sure I do everything I can to do that because it's right. It's coming from God. And so it's right. I'm going to do it. Don't feel good, but I'm going to do it. And you can't say God is leading you and he keeps you away from the gathering of the saints of God. God not leading you. You decided you don't want to be gathered together with the saints of God. But don't put God in that. It's just something you're feeling. Whatever that reason is, that's what you're feeling. But it's not coming from God. It's not God doing anything. It's what you're feeling. Unless God is leading you to the wilderness to fast and pray for a season, you go and do that. But let me ask the question. For the ones that's not gathering together, are you fasting and praying? Are you consecrating yourself because you're hearing from the Lord? Because after that's over, he's going to send you into action. You're not going to fast and pray and no action. That's like training for no reason. What kind of God do you think we serve? So if he call you to the wilderness to fast and pray and, 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 and consecrate yourself for a season, that's all right. But just know he's getting ready to put you back into the game for you to do something. But he can't keep you away from the team that whole time doing nothing. Don't work that way. So learn who God is. Know him. So when something comes to your mind and you can process it with the word of God, you'll say, ah, that can't be God. Oh, oh yeah, that's God. But you got to know him to know those things. You got to learn his ways to know those things. So you cannot be deceived in this last hour. Because believe me, there's a lot of trickery and deception. And unfortunately, there are men and women of God that preach this word that might not be on top of it like they need to. Because unfortunately, there are times when you go to church congregation, uh, churches that, that are congregating together and, and, and men of God and women of God start getting intoxicated with either leadership, how people look at them, uh, their image. They forget, they, they forget what this is all about, that this is not anything about your image. This is not anything, this has nothing to do with who you are, your reputation. This has to do with Jesus Christ. Him crucified, him coming back, and his plan for our life has nothing to do with humans being, look at me. You just come and do like this, Pastor. I saw you did this, and that seemed like that was kind of you saying, look at me. Was that what you were doing? And if I get haughty, then you know something wrong with me. I'm trying to live this thing right, church. That's why I don't have a, I don't, I don't have no problem telling you the things I tell you because I'm trying to do this right. And if I get haughty when you pull me on something and say, eh, you know, I picked this up, is this right? If I get haughty, something is wrong. Go pray real hard for me. I'm saying he's off because he's getting an attitude when I was just asking him a question. I'm trying to do this thing right, church. I'm really trying to do this thing right. And I want you to do this thing right because I think that, Christ-centered church can make a great difference in this area. I really do. I know we, we can do it all around the world, but we got to strengthen our core right here. We have to strengthen our core, and we're going to make a difference. We are. I sense it in my bones. As a matter of fact, let me tell you, stay connected, stay together, because other people sense it in their bones. 
people that's not even a part of our congregation is sensing it in their bones. So you stay connected to the body right now. Don't let anything come between you and me and this congregation. Don't let anything come between you and Jesus Christ because something is getting ready to happen in this church. But it's happening so you can make a big difference. In your life, in your surroundings, in your circle, in your home, all of these places, you're going to make a big difference. God wants to use you to make that difference. And that's why it's happening. Not so any of us can say, ooh, look at me. It's not for any of us to do that. It's for all of us to say, my God, you're making such a difference. I've been praying for my nephew to be saved for so long, and look what's going on right now. I've been praying for my spouse to get saved, and look what's going on right now. I've been praying for my boss to get saved, and look what's going on right now. I've been praying for my children to get saved, and look at it. It's going to stink. It's, it's going to just be so great for someone. It's going to be like shock to you. Like, oh, my goodness. you telling me? My, my kid is telling me, let's go to church. I'm telling you, it's going to be so powerful that it's going to just overwhelm you that you're going to be like, what happened here? I am telling you, there's something that's happened and it's going to be so powerful that it's going to be so overwhelming that all you're going to be able to say is what is happening because you will not be able to comprehend it. All you will know is I know what I'm supposed to do and that's all I'm going to do because this is too big for me because that's what God is up to right up, up to right now because I am telling you. God has not given us, I, I take great uh, responsibility for the word that I give to you, and, and trust me, it's amazing to me, the words that I preach to you and myself in this church. I challenge you, take what you hear in this church, and sometimes go listen to someplace else and hear what you hear. I am telling you, it's not because it's me, forget about me. I just know God did not establish this and give you this kind of word. You go find out where you're going to hear that preach about existence demands justification. Where are you going to hear that at? Very seldom you're going to hear that. But I just know to whom much is given. That's what I know. So I'm not really concerned about the things that we're talking about. I'm concerned that God, you're giving us revelation that everybody don't have. So if you're trusting us and giving us that responsibility, it means we're going to have a great responsibility to go out and do God's will. Let's lift our hands tonight. Father, we love you. We bless your holy name. We praise your holy name. There is none like you, O oh God. And Lord, I want to tell you how much I'm grateful and thankful for where you have placed all of us. Lord, it is you that made us and not we ourselves. We're so grateful and we're so thankful for whatever you're doing, Lord. And God, I truly want to stay where you put me, Lord. I want every person in this church to stay where you position them, Lord. God, let them be steadfast, unmovable, unshakable. I pray, Almighty God, that their faith will increase. I pray, Almighty God, that they will come to know you in a deeper way. I pray, Almighty God, that they will walk with you and not allow anything to prevent them from going in the way that you want them to go. I pray that there will be a supernatural 
physical demonstration of your power in our lives individually and collectively as a body. Oh God, prepare us and equip us, Lord, that wherever you're taking us, we will go with you, Lord. Help us, Almighty God, to do what you've called us to do. I pray for provision tonight, Lord God. I pray for restoration tonight, Lord. I pray for signs and wonders. I pray, Almighty God, that we, your church, Lord God, will truly impact our world all around us, Lord God, and we will make a difference for righteousness, and we will make a difference for the will of God to be done. God, stir up the gift of the Holy Ghost that is in us, that we will walk by faith and not by sight. Lord, I pray that the teachings of the Word of God will grip our soul, and we will live it out, and not just be hearers, but we will become doers as well. I thank you, Lord God, for this series, Lord God, of allowing us to understand and know you through the scriptures. Oh God, now let us be profitable and do your will as we go. Bless this congregation tonight, Lord. And oh God, strengthen us. And oh God, I pray that we will never be the same again. We give you the honor and the praise. Oh, hallelujah. We give you the honor and the praise. We give you the honor and the praise. You're worthy, Lord. You're worthy, Lord. We thank you. We praise you. We bless your name. We give you the honor in Jesus' name. Somebody clap their hands unto the Lord. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord and thank him tonight. Say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, glory, hallelujah. God bless you. I love you so very much, church. Have a wonderful night in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah.